Welcome to Thriving in Midlife Podcast, where we are learning to rise and live beyond mediocre. For women in their 40s and 50s, join this community to become the best version of yourself. I'm Cheryl Esch, the creator of this podcast, with the desire to see all women in their 40s and 50s live to their fullest potential. So let's get started with today's episode. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to Thriving in Midlife. Well, just popping in today for a short episode to talk about an important topic that I want to say this episode is just as much for me as it is for you out there. Um, it's about our sleep and how important it is to get a good night's sleep. So maybe you struggle with getting a good night's sleep or even staying asleep. And I'm with you on that, especially I've uh, been traveling a lot. So these uh, past month or two, um, there's also been a lot of stress. So I've, you know, I've been struggling with this. I'm now trying to get back to sort of that oh, rituals that I had and making sure I am setting myself up for a successful night's sleep. So you may be one of those that just, you think you blame it on your hormones, which I know is happening a lot for a lot of women that I talk to. They just can't sleep. They have insomnia and a lot of it does have to do with the fluctuation of their hormones. But there's a lot of other factors that can really influence our sleep patterns. So maybe consider, like, think about uh, how much caffeine intake are you doing? Is that affecting you being able to sort of wind down? Uh, are there distractions that are preventing you from having a quiet space or getting that optimal atmosphere for your sleep? Is there a lot of light shining in on your room? Is your work shift? Maybe you work a a second shift or you work late, it's like maybe you're in the restaurant business and it's really hard to uh, follow what's called your circadian rhythm. So we as humans have this, you know, why do we sleep when we sleep? It's because there's these circadian rhythms that happen in our, in our world. And so our bodies naturally sort of follow those. And when we have maybe a work shift that doesn't correspond with that traditional circadian rhythm of, you know, working during the daylight hours and then sleeping when it's dark, then you're going to have an extra challenge in trying to find a good um, way of getting optimal sleep and finding kind of ways to um, trick your body maybe, although I would really recommend if you can, although we need those people that do work those shifts um, to consider you know, if it's too much on your health to consider a new job. Um, Temperature of your room also affects how you sleep. Allergies, surprisingly, as we all know, um, especially if you got that post-nasal drip going on, um, you're going to have a hard time sleeping. And as I mentioned, hormones, stress, stress can prevent you from getting a good night's sleep. So trying to figure out how you can manage that stress or relieve that stress. Um, it could also, lack of sleep could be caused by 
a bad mattress. Maybe your mattress is old and is not offering you the support that you need or even your pillow. A pillow needs to support your head appropriately so you don't wake up just always feeling uh, like your body's aching. And that could be a sign that your mattress or pillow are needing replaced. Another factor that most people don't consider as maybe an interference with their sleep patterns is EMFs. So those are electric magnetic fields that uh, radiate pretty much through all of our devices that we have. Um, Maybe you have a smart thermostat that emits EMFs. Your phone, of course, and some other um, appliances and things in your home. So making sure if you're one of those people, uh, I'm one of those, that is maybe sensitive to that kind of magnetic field. Although it's a good idea for everybody to be aware of that and maybe make sure those items and things are not, at least not in your bedroom. So getting a good sleep is essential to our health. There has been so much research done to demonstrate kind of the pros and cons of what a good night's sleep can do or not do, you know, if you have a poor sleep uh, pattern. So poor sleep is actually linked to weight gain or the inability to lose weight. And a lot of this is due to having those higher cortisol levels that are staying elevated in your body because you're not able to sort of um, get into that deep REM sleep where the body takes time to kind of uh, work on resetting your body kind of um, getting back to like sort of a homeostasis. Uh, Poor sleep is also linked to eating more calories and having a bigger appetite. And that is because, um, and and it's often you eat the high fat and sugary foods because we've lacked our, we've had lack of sleep. And so we're just grabbing something that's just quick and easy and not necessarily good for us. But there's a hormonal reason why we tend to eat more when we lack sleep. So there's a hormone, ghrelin, which stimulates appetite. And it is higher in those people that um, don't get enough sleep. So it's important to get your sleep. So we can, again, like I said, mention that cortisol, there's, there's hormones that are going on that get almost like reset while you're sleeping. So... Poor sleep can also have a greater, uh, poor sleepers have a greater risk of heart disease and stroke. And research here shows that sleeping less than seven to eight hours per night increases that risk. Poor sleep is also linked to depression. So maybe if you're struggling with that, maybe reevaluate, maybe you're not getting enough sleep and think about how many hours am I getting? Is it just, you know, I, I hear a lot of people only getting like, six hours of sleep and that's not enough according to research um and talking about going back to talking about circadian rhythms there's also kind of evidence that this whole REM pattern that we go in and out of in our sleep falls in these sort of hour and a half uh, cycles so if you look at hour and a half cycles seven and a half is kind of a good if they're saying get seven to eight hours seven and a half is sort of that nice nice point of you know getting those cycles of those REM sleep 
um, in. And being awakened in the middle of a REM cycle, as we know, is not always the greatest. Good sleep improves your concentration and productivity. Um, any lack of sleep affects our brain function, as we might know. I mean, just think about when you are tired and you haven't slept or maybe uh, and you get in a car and you're driving, maybe on a highway and how you easily feel like you might be able to nod off and how that causes accidents. So it's important to get sleep to, um, you know, prevent any of that kind of things from happening. Uh, sleep improves your immune function because the body has a chance to repair while it is sleeping. And there are just really other, you know, things that uh, could cause or um, make getting good sleep important. Those are some key ones that I came across that I know sometimes, um, for example, you know, when I don't get enough sleep, it is true. I'll, I won't be, uh, I won't pick the right foods to eat often and just, you're so tired. You're just grabbing what's quick and easy and not, it's not necessarily always healthy. What can we do to get a good night's sleep? So a good night's sleep is all about really setting the stage for a good night's rest and setting your atmosphere up and then having that routine and making sure you kind of keep that routine. You know, there's been a lot of talks about a morning routine. Well, you know, we also need an evening routine for ourselves. Um, again, following kind of the rhythms of our, our bodies and our life. So I would recommend first set a regular bedtime for yourself. And that way, these next few items will make sense. So let's say, for example, your bedtime is 10 o'clock. So the next suggestion is to avoid caffeine 10 hours before bedtime. So that would mean you should not drink caffeine past noon, past 12 o'clock p.m. Now, you may be maybe more sensitive to caffeine and either need to get rid of it altogether because it's affecting how you sleep. Maybe you get a restless sleep when you drink caffeine or you need to even start cutting back the caffeine sooner, meaning maybe you need 12 hours before you go to bed. And that's actually me. I can't, I need at least 12 hours of no caffeine before I go to bed. So it's also recommended that you don't eat three hours prior to going to bed. And this allows your body to begin that digestion process and have it pretty much completed before you go to bed because bedtime is the time for your body to kind of rejuvenate other parts and not focus so much on digestion. Um, it's also recommended, and I know this is a big one for everybody these days, is one to two hours prior to going to bed, we should avoid screen time or blue light. That means like TVs, your phone, your computer, um, so that your brain um, can sort of start to um, shut down and unwind and your eyes, which are, you know, that's all connected, um, are not stimulated. So it causes some stimulation there. The other recommendations, um, so this, actually, that is why setting your regular bedtime is really important so that you can 
backtrack on these hours and time frames to get your evening routine down to set yourself up for some good night's sleep. Because I know once I've gotten a good night's sleep, I wake up feeling so refreshed. So there's some other things that you can do to kind of set that stage, as I mentioned. Um, They do also recommend not drinking alcohol. Um, If that's something you uh, regularly do because you try to use that tool to help you unwind, maybe consider using some other tools to do that. For example, maybe you take instead Um, have some hot tea that might calm you before you go to bed. But I want to talk about our atmosphere and setting that up um, because I feel like this is the portion that's really been affecting me lately. And so I'm kind of going back to setting up that atmosphere. And that's kind of my goal for myself. That's why I said this episode is not just for you, but it's for me. And I want to share kind of what I'm going to be working on to really change and check my atmosphere, my environment. So first of all, you want to have a dark room. So a lot of times those blinds do not block out all the light that might be outside. And if you live near maybe um, a more populated place where you might have street lights or Maybe you're closer to a city, and so there's a lot of ambient light outside that is coming in. You're going to want to invest in probably a a blackout blind or some blackout curtains and really making sure that that all that light is not coming into your bedroom. There may be other things that are emitting light in your room that you also may want to move out of the space or get rid of altogether. Some people are bothered by, and I know I don't think many people use them anymore, but let's remember those digital clocks that we used to put beside our beds. Well, some that emits light and that can bother some people. So, you know, most of us don't use those anymore. Um, so you can kind of move that out of your room or get rid of it. Uh, I would definitely say you need to keep your phone away from your body because this does admit small EMFs, um, but it also can cause distractions. So it could, you could hear a buzz. Even if we have it on, say, vibrate, you're going to kind of hear or sense that. So I personally keep my phone out of the bedroom and keep it charged outside somewhere in a different room maybe. And that way it's not being a distraction and also it's not admitting EMFs. Now there was a study, I will tell you, of uh, where they took some young kids and I'm trying to remember the details, but they, they um, made them sleep for, I don't know, it was like maybe two weeks or so with their phones like completely out of their room. And they just noticed um, such a heightened, more productivity and just a better night's sleep because then when the kids after the study went back to using their phones like they were like, you know, as most teenagers, they'll keep them beside their bed. They might even be using them up until they fall asleep, which my son will fall asleep sometimes with it in his bed. And so um, they had, they personally noticed the difference and they went back to leaving their phones outside of the room when they slept. 
Now, there's been some talk about what is the optimal temperature we should have our bedrooms in at night. Now, it is, as we probably all know, it does need to be on the cooler side. And especially for my women that are experiencing sort of those hormonal uh, fluctuations and some hot flashes, you definitely want to keep it cooler. And that's not just for those that have hot flashes, but um, they say 65 degrees. Now, I know that might be feel like a really low or cold for some of you. So you can start playing with just backing it down. You know, maybe your regular temperature in your house on a regular basis is 70. Well, then maybe back it down three degrees or so. But you definitely want to take it cooler than what your daytime temperature might be set for in your home. So consider that uh, you do sleep better when you are in that cooler room. And then I mentioned things that can um, disrupt your sleep. We talked about mattresses and pillows. So maybe evaluate, you know, is your mattress 10 years old or more? Now I sound like an advertisement. Um, You may want to replace your mattress. Uh, But that is true. And you want to make sure you have one that is comfortable for your body, giving it that support you need. And then a supportive pillow, um, one that supports your head and neck uh, so that they're kind of in line. So they're not cocked to one side or the other, Um, particularly if you're maybe a side sleeper. I don't recommend being a stomach sleeper. So if that's you, you may want to work on trying to change that for yourself. Some people like to have a noise machine going, white sound, whatever it is to sort of block out any of that outside noise um, that they might hear, you know, especially if you have other people in your house and they're still maybe awake or moving around at different times uh, outside of your, you know, within your sleep window, then you're definitely going to want to do that. Or if again, if you have neighbors, you're going to want to probably invest in a noise machine to help block that noise out. So those are just some tips to help set the environment for a good night's sleep. Other things that have helped me personally is magnesium. Um, And there's, it can come in various forms. You can um, take, take it um, orally. I use a powdered form and mix it. It's called Calm. Uh, It's on the market. You can get it at any health food store. It's really good. I recommend it. It's good for muscle um, fatigue and and twitches. So um, that's even, you know, kind of get a a two for one kind of thing there. Along those same lines, I love taking an Epsom salt bath. And so as you know, Epsom salts are actually magnesium. So again, it's getting into your body, that magnesium, but also that hot water will, for me, just brings that whole relaxed body. And so I'm able to fall asleep a lot easier after I've taken Epsom salt bath. Sometimes I also sprinkle either lavender in my Epsom salt bath or put a drop or two on my pillow at night to help me sleep. Or you can put it on your soles of your feet Um, It kind of, for me, lavender is a very relaxing essential oil. Some people take melatonin, and I will on occasion, kind of depending on my day. Uh, Did I have too much caffeine? Yeah, then I'm going to take a melatonin. Um, So 
these are some things that you can do. I often, sometimes will play some classical piano music for myself if I really need to sort of unwind my brain. Um, that seems to kind of bring me down and to that like starting to get tired phase. Um, some people like to read because that kind of gets them in that, oh, they fall asleep reading possibly. I do not recommend falling asleep watching TV. Of course, as we talked about, try to avoid screen time one to two hours before you go to bed. So that would include a TV. And maybe have a TV in your bedroom and maybe consider moving that out of the bedroom, A, to avoid any temptation to watch something while you're in bed, because they also say you should only reserve your bed for sleep. And, well, I'll leave that up to you. But if you're doing, um, if you're working from your bed or you're doing something else or eating in your bed, then your body doesn't associate your bed or your mattress as designated for just sleep. So um, just consider reserving that sacred space for your sleep, maybe some lovemaking, but don't do any uh, work. You know, don't put your laptop and do any work while you're in your bed. So folks, I really hope that these tips um, and information helps you, like myself, develop this environment to help ourselves get a good night's rest because it is imperative for our health. And for especially for my ladies really struggling with those hormones, um, I know you struggle with sleeping and that's part of that, but it doesn't have to be that way. And so as you start maybe implementing some of these tips, getting yourself um, in that habit of a nighttime routine, setting the stage, I'm hoping you will eventually find some sleep that will bring you great energy and vitality every morning when you wake up. I hope you maybe try some of this. I know I am. I'm going to work on really fine-tuning my sleep atmosphere so that I can get a truly deep and restful night's sleep so I can be the best that I can be. So let's remember, let's thrive together and live beyond mediocre. I want to thank you so much for listening to my podcast today. And I hope that if you are not a current subscriber, that you will subscribe as you can find me anywhere on Apple, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, Overcast. And I'm also on Instagram under thriving in midlife, all one word. So please share this with your friends, leave a review or any comments, and don't forget to rise above and thrive.